1: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to Tacovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
2: Welcome to the Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man, your host. Welcome to season five, here we go. This podcast is brought to you by discipline, delayed gratification, and being accountable to yourself. This podcast is about finding the high road, working hard every day, creating the best possible version of yourself. Our values are faith, family, fitness, finances, elk hunting, and career. Our guiding principles are authenticity, transparency, and out hustling the competition. Our podcast is brought to you by Buck Knives, Onyx Hunt, Vortex Optics, Wilderness Athlete, Black Rifle Coffee Company, Crispy USA, Matthews Archery, Kufaru International, and BlackOvis.com. Hey guys, welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast, me Dan, the fitness man. We are sitting down with a friend of mine named Jonathan, also known as Red Beard Outdoors. I met this individual at 2021 Elk Shape Camp, Salt Lake City. Uh, I've really enjoyed getting to know him, watch his journey. He's definitely a hard worker and that is something I respect tremendously. Uh, come to find out, he started his own podcast and I wanted to get him on mine and just kind of Let you guys get a chance to get to know him, plug his podcast, but more importantly, talk about some some things that don't get talked about enough. Uh, He's a newer elk hunter, newer to the scene, not because of COVID, just because uh, he just really went all in on archery. He's been into hunting his whole life, but... Right now, he's really into it, like full send. And I think it's nice to hear from somebody new to elk hunting, new to archery elk hunting specifically, asking him about, hey, man, what's your thoughts on social media? Is it positive for hunting? Is it negative? Hey, man, what is etiquette when it comes to pulling up to a trailhead and there's other hunters there. Um, What mistakes did you make? How much gear did you pack? Did you pack too much? We talk about all that kind of stuff and get to know his story. He's a great husband, father. He's a student and he's working full time and he's a fitness dude through and through. I'm really excited for you guys to get to know Jonathan. Um, Jonathan, thanks for coming on. And uh, without further ado, this is Jonathan Redbeard Outdoors. Dropping on Elk Shape Podcast. Redbeard, what's good? How's it going? Good. Let me check some audio levels here. So Jonathan, you, I want to get everyone to know you, but I want to talk to them about also you started your own podcast. I sure did. You done did it. So cool. We'll get into it. Um, I met you at Elk Shape Camp last year, Utah.
0: How did you get to camp again? So uh, right now you're doing the December Chubb Challenge and I love challenges uh, I'd gone through a couple of different things throughout that year. Um, and basically just participated in December Chub Challenge and just crushed it. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, <you laughs> and uh, I was hoping my biggest thing was that I wanted to, that's what I wanted was the scholarship. I like all the stuff you're giving away was awesome. Um, but I wanted to actually come to camp and I wanted to gain the knowledge so I could apply it to this year's, uh, elk season. Was this year your first elk season? Yeah. So I had done a rifle season the year before, I think we went out for like five days. Um, But then there was a lot of stuff that kind of factored into it, but I ended up getting into archery, found your channel. um, And I loved the, the main thing that I really like is finding people that aren't trying to sell you things and you sell hard work, right? But other than that, you don't sell, you, you let people know you're sponsored by certain companies, but you also say, go find what works for you. And that really rang true with me. So I just started following your stuff and, and walking through the steps of learning how to be a better archer and, and incorporating that into, into hunting. Yeah, man, when you sign up
2: to elk hunt, you are signing up for hard work. So it's a no brainer. It's an easy thing to sell, but once you buy it, uh, it's like, oh, the rubber meets the road. Am I willing to like dive all in? Because it kind of takes that mentality. Uh, would you th- Would you describe yourself as like an all or none type
0: of personality? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, sometimes an addictive personality in a way. I just got to channel it in the right direction. Uh, but I love I love challenges. Um, I love stacking challenges. I love uh, getting into to new things, and especially if it involves the outdoors. Um, but yeah, elk hunting, and then just the first time this year and i'm sure we'll get into that but just hearing elk seeing elk in person it's it's a whole nother experience like i see deer all the time i see a bunch of other animals um but elk it just it it changed it changed a lot for me um but yeah as far as as far as going all in that's definitely me to the point where my wife even says she's like i know you didn't want to do something or it's not your priority for you because you haven't done it yet exactly (laughs) yeah
2: so let's get the background out of the way. Like, where are you from? what What's your, what are you all about? What do you do for work, family, kids, all that stuff?
0: Yeah. So I'm from North Carolina originally. I was actually blessed to have an awesome grandfather that bought me a lifetime hunting and fishing license back when they offered those. And so I use the fishing a lot, um, but I never really went hunting. And Uh, I sat in a tree stand one or sorry, a a blind one time with a rifle and it just seemed like target practice for me. I didn't really like that. So I didn't really get into the hunting out there. Um, came out West and, uh, got into hiking, love the public land. I'm out here in Utah right now. Um, got married and I met a buddy that is actually in our neighborhood and uh, he's been hunting since forever here in Utah. And so he got me into it originally rifle and he was kind of jabbing me in the side. He was one of the many factors that, uh, incorporated into me having a, an archery season this year. Um, he, he very much encouraged me cause he knew my personality. He knew I liked fitness. He knew I liked getting up and close with animals. He's like, you need to be an archer. You need to get into bow hunting. So, um, so that happened uh when I moved out here in Utah, just met him and we started a thing where we backpack every year. Uh we take people along with us that might want to go hunting with us. It's kind of like a trial period uh, for them to see if their their attitude will last um going out and going hunting for an extended period of time. As far as work is concerned, uh I work right now at Discover Financial, um but I'm actually switching jobs here pretty soon um at the start of the year and uh, and so I'm pretty excited about that. I am finishing up my MBA in March and uh, hopefully taking that on to do bigger and greater things. Um, and then as far as my family is concerned, I have five kids now. I'm 29 and holding, I'll say 29 and holding because I turn 30 next year, but uh, I've got a, our kid ranges from um, 21 all the way down to our daughter will be 5 uh, in a couple of days and so um 3 of them aren't biologically mine but i call them my kids cuz their dad aren't uh, he's not in the picture and so that's pretty much what i do in my free time is school and uh outdoor stuff and family so
2: wow dude you got a full plate holy smokes 5 kids 29 years young Finishing your MBA, which means you're doing your nine to five and studying for your master's in business, which is what I should have got my master's in. I always say that on this podcast, like I got a master's in exercise physiology, which is basically just my same undergraduate degree, just on steroids. I wish I had an MBA. So jealous. Good job for for that. Um, Go back. Tell me about this trial by fire. Like you guys take people backpacking to see how they jive with your squad and their attitude, that is such a good idea because people are always messaging me about how do I find a good hunting partner? I think this might be one way to do it.
0: Yeah. So we just started cause we love hiking. We always take the kids out and everything. And we just started a thing where every year, um, it's been, I want to say this will be the fourth year now, um, where we just go backpacking for, Three to five days, depending on how much time we have off and how much time we're willing to take away from hunting season as well. (laughs) And um, and so we we just picked different areas. Like one year, um, we went to the Sawtooth Mountain Range and did the loop there. Um, that was is a beautiful experience. If you get the chance to do that, I highly recommend that. Um, first time ever encountering a wolf, so that was fun. Um, and then we went this year to the Tetons and we summited the middle Teton. Um, the year before that we did, I guess last year we did, uh, uh, the wind rivers mountain range and again, beautiful, beautiful mountain range. And so we just kind of take people with us that are possibly interested in going hunting with us, which it doesn't happen very often. Uh, we, we invite people and most of them end up flaking out or not, not having enough time off or whatever their, their excuses. Um, but the people that do come along with us, Uh, It is, it's a good test because after four, three or four days of pounding it out with a uh, backpack on and in some not necessarily nice terrain, um, you're hungry, you know, you might be thirsty, you're having to filter your water, stuff like that. It can get to you. So if you can't have a good attitude about just backpacking, um, imagine magnifying that with not getting an animal or uh, missing an opportunity. It just it. it's a good test. And we kind of jokingly started saying that we're going to invite people that we're going to, we're going to hunt with, or that want to hunt with us, um, for at least the extended hunts. Uh, but as far as, uh, yeah, as far as, as far as backpacking, I, I think it's a great opportunity for people to, to take a couple of days and get to know their future hunting partners for sure. You know, plus it doesn't suck to like get some reps in the mountains,
2: test some gear, you know, I, I can't tell you how many guys just find the gear that fails them and it's their own fault. It's your own fault when you accept that you did not test your gear proper prior. Uh, so that's a good place to do it. And man, kudos to you guys. You've chosen some amazing destinations. I haven't stepped foot in that wind river country yet. I got a little bit of time in the saw twos. Not surprised you saw a wolf there. But all in all, that's a that's a great concept. Um, What got you to Utah again? I didn't quite understand how you ended up there
0: transplanted. Yeah, so and so I graduated high school, um, and I knew like it was just there's some things in my life that I always knew I would do. Like it was never a question for me. Um, It was never forced on me either. But uh, I knew I wanted to serve a mission for the LDS Church, and um, so I just said I don't want to go to a party school, and there was a lot of those in North Carolina. Um, I didn't want to possibly be steered away from going on a mission. And so I just chose, I was like, Hey, I'm going to apply to BYU. And, um, I've never been West of the Mississippi and, uh, want to see something new. And so I just, I'm the oldest in my family, um, flew out on my own and started college. Um, I went there for a year. My plan was to come back from my mission, which I went to Mexico city and I lived down there for two years, um, learned Spanish. so I'm fluent in Spanish. And, uh, yeah, I came back and got married, got hitched to a a lady that's from Bountiful, Utah. And um, they say Bountiful ladies don't ever, or Bountiful women don't ever leave. But I don't know. I kind of agree with that. She doesn't ever want to leave Bountiful. Uh, But so yeah, I've just been here and just been enjoying it. At first it was rough. I won't lie. Um, Going from North Carolina. And if you've ever Mm. been on the East coast, how green it is, how humid, um, everything along those lines you can't even drive down the highway and see the other side of the highway because there's trees everywhere. Yeah. Um, It's very flat, but coming out here, I was like, man, it's so dead and dry. But once I get involved in the public land aspect and actually getting in the mountains, um, that kind of, I won't say it was depression, but it was like being stuck in a concrete jungle. I didn't like it. And so, um, getting out in the mountains was a big deal for me.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. And then you decided to get your master's degree, let's talk about like the discipline required to get kids to bed and have zero downtime and to crack open the books and type and write and read and think. Um,
0: what's that been like, man? It's not easy. It's possible. And, uh, that's kind of a big reason why I started my podcast is that I just want people to see, like, I'm an average Joe and, um, I've been through quite a bit for my 29 years on this rock that's spinning around. And, uh, I, I love it. Um, I, I love the grind. And like I said, I love challenges. Uh, originally, I wanted to be a physical therapist. Um, and I got kind of ticked off because they all said that I was within their GPA requirements, but I wasn't in the high competitive range. And I was like, all my other stuff is overqualified. So that's when I kind of recognized that that wasn't the career for me, if they just want to book nerds and um, not people with good table side manner and or bedside manner and, and helping people. They just wanted good uh, good degrees. And so I moved on to MBA because I want to learn more about business. Um, I found out really quick that I do not have a mind for finances. And that's why I've got an amazing wife who's an accountant. And uh, she's always said, whenever I start my business, she'll be the bookie. So, um, But yeah, I, I love the marketing aspect. I love interacting with people um and i'm I'm kind of brainstorming a bunch of couple, a bunch of different things that I want to do that's still in the uh, the fitness health aspect being able to help people live their lives um, that's why I always say uh, get out live your life and love it uh, I get picked on for that a lot but it's sticking obviously because they remember it so <laughs> yeah um, but I, I want people to get out whether it be walking around the park or getting up in the mountains I want people to live their lives and not be so scared of this now pandemic and all the stuff that's going on. Um, and I want them to live their lives and, and to love their lives, not to just kind of grind through and then retire and sit on the couch all day. So
2: no, I dig it, man. Um, do you think you're like, you're, you said you're starting a new job in January. Are you allowed to talk
0: about that yet? Um, yeah. Um, yeah, it's just going to be software sales, basically. Uh, it's not anything special, but it's a good entry level position for sales, um, with a lot of upward mobility. And what's really funny. And I think you'll get a kick out of this is as I got to the final interview and I had built some rapport, um, I actually asked the guy, I said, so I don't take a lot of time off and I never get sick. Uh, what's PTO like? And, you know, I discussed it with me about, uh, how things go. And I said, okay. Um, I know you guys don't encourage, you know, taking time off around the end of the fiscal year, the beginning of the fiscal year for you guys. uh, But what does September look for you guys? (laughs) And he was like, what are you talking about? And I explained to him, he was like, oh, yeah, that should be no problem. So that was kind of another big deal for me that um, accepting this job that they'd be willing to work around uh, future Septembers. So
2: making career decisions based around hunting passion. I tip my hat to you. That's exactly what it's all about, man. Don't chase money, chase time. And, uh, that's, that's legit. So you have an entrepreneurial spirit. You're starting your own podcast, but you also have a financial background. What do you do currently as a, fi- for
0: that financial company? Yeah. So right now, honestly, I just run a team in the spy the Spanish department. Um, it's a lot of call center work, so it's nothing too in-depth with finances, um, but just basically managing accounts. And then, uh, like I said, I have realized real quick, I don't have a financial mind. Um, I I don't like looking at numbers all day, but I love, I'm an, I'm naturally inclined to lead and lead from the front and, and teach people, um, how to, you know, enjoy their lives, uh, while they're working. Maybe this is a a step in their career. Maybe this is where they want to be forever. Um, and, like just simple things. Like when I go into a coaching with someone and when I first got the position as a coach, you know, I was talking to them and I'd ask every single one of them, Hey, what are your goals? And they'd be like, Oh, with the company, I said, no, what are your goals personally? (laughs) And, uh, and, and they all like went silent and they're like, I don't remember last time someone asked me that. And it just blows me away because I think again, going back to, I think a lot of people just go through life. aiming to retire, wanting to do everything when they retire and instead of living their lives right now. And so that's, that's a big thing that I try and encourage.
2: Yeah, man. So I've talked about this a little bit on the cast, but like we did that camp in Utah this year. And by the way, the time of this recording is 2021, but people are going to listen to it in 2022. So we're going to talk a little bit about new year, new me and that arbitrary, oh, it's a new year. I'm going to set new goals. I'm, I'm going to start doing stuff now, which is kind of the theme of this podcast. Quit waiting, start doing. But we did seven camps in 21. I can't believe that because that's just, it's kind of gross to be gone first that long, but it was also really cool to be out there meeting so many like-minded people that just love the idea of chasing elk on public land. Your guys' camp was the last camp and we told you this, I don't know if you believe it, but that camp was super special. I don't know what it was, but like people came together, people kept it real. There was like, you could literally feel the energy and people were like ready to make significant changes. And, uh, your group was special. You were part of that. Um, take us through a little bit and we're not selling elk shaped camps here. That's not my goal, but my goal is to talk about what you experienced
0: and then obviously how you were able to take it to the field. Well, I'll sell it for you. Okay. <laughs> Everyone I'd talk to, man, I, I try and encourage them, you know, and, 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 uh, I just let them know how amazing an experience it was. And they're like, Oh, so you shoot your bow for a little bit and talk about elk hunting. I said, no, actually they bring in, you know, and I list off the people that you brought in, but also the fact that you take the time to go through every single detail. So, um, I mean, I, and I still chat with a, a large majority of the people that were in that group, and uh, and I did hear you mention on a on a podcast uh, recently that we were the best uh, group last year. So it's kind of it's kind of sad for me that there's so many spaces available um, still because I, I think people are missing out on a big opportunity. Um, I just know that the feeling in that like the competition was a healthy competition. It wasn't negative. Um, and I still give Clint crap about that all the time, just about every day. Um, and, uh, but it was, it was, it was a really good experience to go in and meet like-minded people who are willing to put in time in the mountains, chasing an animal that they may never even see, uh, you know, the the ghost of the mountain, the elk. And uh, it just, there's just something, sp- there's, you can't put words to it. Um, the knowledge gained was, you guys did everything that you could in those couple of days, but you also gave us the tools, which I, I loved that you told us how to go do more. And so you gave us a, a very good base knowledge and, uh, gave us somewhere to start and then told us to go do more. If obviously this is something we wanted to do. Um, I know for me, it changed my experience because again, my first year, um, I went out hunting with, with a couple of my buddies, the one that that actually got me into hunting and they were all relying on my e-scouting. And I was like, I'm the newbie here. Like you guys have been doing this for 10 plus years and you're asking me for information, but it worked. You know, one of my buddies got a, he filled his tag with a cow and we were on elk uh, multiple times. So I would just say to anyone out there that's considering it, even if it's here 2021, or if you're looking for future 2023, I'm assuming you'll be doing them that year as well. Um, Don't miss out on the opportunity. It's Uh, you get to know, you get to network, which I loved. Um, You get to know more people, you get to learn from each other. And then you, you cut down that, that, uh, that learning curve more than anything. You don't spend days wandering in the mountains, you know, you know, where the elk are going to be, where they should be if they're there and uh, how to make plans A through Z. So that, that was kind of the biggest, I guess, uh, keeps for me from, from camp.
2: Yeah. That network, that community, I think that doesn't get talked about enough. Where you end up, basically, that's probably like the biggest selling point. Why right? is is like all of a sudden you're surrounded by, in your camp, you had like twenty something people, but people that literally sacrifice time and resources to be there, and they're just as serious as you, and they're and they want to make a change, they want to get better, they want to leverage elk hunting. That's really neat to me uh, that you guys are still in contact, as you should be. Uh, I can't tell you how many people are just. They, they can't find somebody like-minded like them. And when you do, you want to hold on to it. It's super special. I have a very small circle, Jonathan, where I just don't have a lot of capacity in my life to invest in a lot of relationships that are meaningful. And so I've just kept my circle really small. And the guys that I do spend time with, man, like we're on the same mission. We, we're headed in the same direction. And... It's still relationships, so it's still work. Like, you have to put in work with relationships. And that means checking in on each other. That means logging hours, whether it be shooting together or, or training or Bible studies or getting in the Word, whatever it is that it's, it's work, man. You can't just expect to have, like, how many guys, I don't know if this happens to you, you're new to hunting, but okay. People listening, how many of you listening get phone calls from guys that you haven't talked to all year a week before the hunting season. I know people listening know that I'm talking about them because I don't hear from them all year. And then I hear from them a week up to hunting season like that. That's just not a relationship. That's not like founded in good, solid quality time. Do you know what I mean?
0: Oh yeah. And, and that's uh that's the, that's the taker mindset. Um, The word slipped my mind just now, but Um, instead of being a contributor, you know, you're being a, you're, you're sucking resources from someone else instead of contributing. And, uh, and I'm realizing real quick that this is a, this is a year round thing. Um, and I was thinking about today, I was like, well, I'm starting today, day one training for season 2022, right? Because, uh, my season's over now and, uh, and I'm, I'm ready to, to get in the off season training. So, yeah, I got two days
2: left, um, here in Washington for, Whitetail, um, I've put hardly any time into it this year. It hasn't been a priority, but I am going sit, to sit my stand the last two days and then I'll be where you are at. I'll be, all right, I'm officially in the off-season, which really means it's time to put the work in and identify what, what areas that I'm lacking the most. What would you say your areas are now that you've started?
0: Uh, I'm going to say my area. Well, uh, I missed a spike on September one, so I should have been done September (laughs) one. Um, but I missed him because I, uh, I was a little overconfident in my, in my ranging. Um, I was at full draw for almost two minutes and he side hilled and he went down 15 yards from where I'd originally ranged him and I didn't realize it. And, uh, I shot low. So, um, I'm going to say that that's probably my weakest point is just, uh, the ranging and, and to, I I came up with something after that, where I told myself, if I don't have time to range, I don't have time to shoot. And um, that just kept drilling that in my head uh, throughout the rest of the season. And I mean, it, I didn't end up filling my elk tag this year, unfortunately. Um, But I I would say that was probably my weakest point was just getting overwhelmed with the moment. Um, And for any of you out there listening, trust me, if you've never seen an elk, or even if you have, I'm, I'm Dan, you've mentioned this multiple times. Uh, it still gets your heart pumping. And I don't know, there's something about like deer don't do it for me. Turkeys don't do it for me. pronghorn don't do like nothing else, but elk that I I've never felt buck fever like that. And I'll call that bull fever. Cause I just, uh, it was something else, man. It, it just took, took me over. I wasn't ready for it.
2: <laughs> I remember making that same rule for myself <clears throat> in 2006. I was in New Mexico and I had missed like three bulls and that's, I still can't believe it, but I've missed three different bulls. Didn't range find any, any of them. I literally guessed the yardage on all three shot opportunities. Looking back, had time to range on all of them. Didn't do it. And I was pretty new to hunting elk. I'd only killed a bull with a rifle up in that point. I did end up killing my first bull with a bow on that hunt, but I'm, I literally am haunted by. Probably like four or five days into that hunt, we were in. We were spike hunting. It was me and my dad, and um, we split up. And, and And there was a bull pushing a herd in a canyon, and I didn't have to make any vocalizations. And I just was like, "Okay, get cut them off. Get between. Just get between them." And I slipped down to the very bottom of the canyon and spike cow, 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 probably 20 cows crossed the Canyon right in front of me. Bulls up on, you know, the bulls are always behind. It seems like, and he's coming down and he's bugling. My ears are ringing and these elk are walking right by me at 10 yards. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is, this is it. This bull's going to follow their exact... And I didn't get busted by any of the elk. I don't know how. I didn't have a lot of cover. And they all walked right by me like toad, uh, nose to tail. And once they all cleared, he bugled one more time. And then boom, he popped out and here he's coming. And in 2006, I probably couldn't judge a bull to save my life. But looking back, at least my memory is like, that was a really nice 300 plus inch six point. And I pulled back. And he came down and he stopped and I guessed him for 30. He was probably 15 yards, man. I shot right over his back. I just remembered that hunt specifically going, okay, you have to range. If you don't have time to range, you don't have time to shoot. And then the reason why I bring that story up is because even because I made that rule this year, 2021, back in New Mexico... I was working this bull on the very last day and got right in on a shelf, right in on his cows, challenge bugle. He's pissed. His, his, he's with a cow. She pops out on the only elk trail and walks right down and she walks right past me. And when she's walking, I'm like, okay, he's going to step out right where she is. So I range her at 55 and I'm like, done deal. And then of course he comes out. cow call. I stop them. I'm slid to 55. This is a done deal, Jonathan. This is like, we're already thinking about which way to pack this bull out is the best way. You know what I mean? Level the pin. I broke a beautiful shot and I hear my arrow going and hitting all these trees and brush and stuff. And we ended up watching the footage and post and I was like, I literally shot him for 55 and went right under him. And what happened was, is I didn't range him. I ranged the cow and he did not walk on the exact same trail as her. He, he just bushwhacked and he was probably at 62 or 63, just enough to where I was aiming for middle of the heart. And I shot under him and I had time to range him because he stopped when I cow called and bugled. I could have ranged him. And so even if you make these rules, you know, you can still screw it up and, uh, I'm constantly learning. That's awesome. What are you going to work on when it comes to gear upgrades? And then obviously like fine tuning your fitness, you're a very fit individual.
0: Let's go gear and fitness. So yeah, for gear, um, I've got a Kuyu pack eventually want to upgrade to a Kafaru. Um, I don't have that in the, in the hunt budget this year. I'd like to get some good camo and some dedicated, um, just cause right now I'm using, uh, a mix between some base layers that I have and like Costco jackets and things like that. Um, it's kind of a, uh, a lot of solids. I don't really have any good camo. Um, I've noticed that you can get away with a lot, even with solids, um, as long as you're still, as long as you, there's the three things, you know, the smell, the sight and the hearing, on the elk. And if you've got two or three of those in your favor, I've noticed in, in my experience this year, um, it, it's, it works for you. And so obviously I'd like to upgrade and get some camo so that I've got that, that site portion taken care of a little bit better. Um, but I I'd say that's probably my biggest thing. And then I'd like to get a, a bow and make my current bow, my, my, uh, backup bow. And so I've been doing some testing there and, Uh, I've talked to you a little bit about it and I'm, I'm really impressed. I've always been stuck between Hoyt and Matthews. I say always, I've only been doing this for what, almost two years now, but, um, they seem to fit me the best and offer the options that I'm looking for personally. And so, um, it's going to be between those two this year. And, uh, and I've, I, I had an incident this year that happened that if I didn't have such an amazing bow shop, um, I would have been, I would have been screwed to put it lightly. Um, my string snapped. And I've never seen that before. And yeah, and I've, and I took it into the bow shop and they looked at, and they were like, we've never in the 15 years we've been working on bows, never seen this. And so they actually lent me a bow. One of the guys that works there, he was like, I'm done with my hunting season. Why don't you take mine? And of course he's got the newest greatest. And I was like, are you sure? Like, (laughs) and uh, so I got lucky in that, in that sense because otherwise I wouldn't have been able to go out elk hunting these last two weeks. Um, so that's a big thing. And I know you push that, uh, the whole idea of having a, a backup bow. Some people may think it's silly. Um, I don't at this point, especially. And, uh, it, it definitely, it convinced my wife as well, that that's something that I need to, to budget for. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a crazy experience, man. Um, it, it, yeah, it was, it was a crazy experience, but that's, those are the two main things, uh, a bow. So I can have a backup bow and then, um, and camo as far as fitness I've started uh, and I've talked to you about this as well um, getting into CrossFit and I know that's not technically called CrossFit because they have to pay royalties for it or whatever however the CrossFit thing works but the the training itself I'm really enjoying the athleticism behind it and um, I made a post today because uh, you're challenging us this week to do something that we're we're weak on and I can crank out strict pull-ups like it's nothing but I don't have the coordination for kipping (laughs) pull-ups and I always kind of laughed at people that did kipping pull-ups. I was like, you look like a wet noodle up there, but, um, I'm trying it now. And I'm like, it's not as easy as it looks. So, uh, that's something that I'm working on so that I can eventually get into um, doing muscle ups. So I've been doing that. And then, um, a bunch of stability work, especially shooting the bow so much. I want my shoulders to be strong. I've had a couple of uh, shoulder injuries in the past, and um, using bands and also doing ring work, um, like ring dips and uh, pull-ups and things like that with the rings. It works a lot more stability than just using a straight bar. Um, and so that's that. Those are kind of my main focuses right now, and uh, and hopefully dropping some more weight. I want to get down below one ninety, so I can I can pack out more elk. <laughs> Yeah. Getting under one ninety, Lean and mean. I like
2: it. Um, yeah. So you kind of started dabbling in a CrossFit. We exposed you a little bit to it. Uh, obviously at the camp, like we did it at CrossFit West Haven. Love that facility. I actually got to call that owner today and confirm we're back on for this year. What a facility. Um, but the, the thing that you said about camo, I couldn't agree more. I think solids are underrated. I love solids. Um, I do like to have a camouflage top. I love the breakup of the veil, which is what NUMA uses, but anything that, you know, is good material can wick away moisture. and, And I'm, I'm really interested in finding things that can stop wind Wind to me is what makes me cold, not moisture, not it. I can mitigate moisture through Merino, through a puffy, through rain gear, but man, wind stopper because when I am skinny and I get cold easy and I can literally be tempted to fold my cards when I'm cold and it's wind. Um, do you use anything specifically for wind stopping?
0: Um, like I said, I've, i just got like a Costco brand jackets. And so it's one of those, um, it's not quite waterproof, but it's, uh, I don't know the material specifically, but it's, uh, like a hard shell basically. Um, and I use that and I layer that over a puffy and then I have Merino under that. Like this weekend I was up, uh, on top of this mountain here, it was nine degrees at the start of the day. Um, and I stayed up there all day. And the only thing that killed me was the the sweat and I sweat a lot. Um, so my feet, which I need some good insulated boots. I was running the, uh, the Colorado's, but in knee deep snow, um, and after you stop, and your feet cool down, and then the the moisture, it was kind of that's that was probably the biggest thing for me, my feet, and then the uh, the sweat from from hiking up. So the second day, I worked it out a little bit better, um, and I I didn't put as many layers on when I hiked up, and then when I got up there, if I started to feel chilly, I'd add another layer, and then of course that that wind stopping layer definitely, I agree with that 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 will that will cut into you like nothing else, especially if you're up on a mountain, exposed, um, the wind will definitely get after you.
2: Black Rifle Coffee Company, established in 2014. Veteran owned, proudly American. They support two way. They support hunting and coffee is life. If you're just like me, head over to blackriflecoffee.com, click the coffee club, enter the discount code Elkshape, save 15% and have fresh new flavors of coffee delivered to your doorstep every month. Wilderness Athlete. I met the founder in 2006. I've been in love with this company ever since. They make a tremendous amount of products, not only for in the field, but during the off season when you're training and they got you covered when it comes to supplementing your nutritional intake. Look no further than the Hydrate Recover, whether you want to get tubs or the packets, Energy and Focus, meal replacements, daily strength protein, brute force pre-workouts, caffeine-free and with stimulant, altitude advantage, joint advantage, omega-3 fish oil, and a much more. Head over to wildernessathlete.com and if you've never bought anything from them before, make sure you enter the discount code ELKSHAPE30 to save 30% off your first purchase. Vortex Optics, proud partner since 2010, everything from rifle scopes, binoculars, Range finders, Vortex wear, and backed with their VIP warranty. Unlimited, unconditional. You break it, they'll fix it. Veteran owned, proudly American. Head over to VortexOptics.com. Check out their Vortex wear, fit for everywhere. Use the discount code Elk Shape. Take 20% off your scouting, everyday wear, clothing. And thank you, Vortex, for supporting Elk Shape for over 10 years. Onyx Hunt, the number one hunting GPS app. You should join the millions of hunters who trust Onyx, including myself to find more honey holes discover new access and to be confident and know where you stand use the discount code ElkShape to save 20 percent off an elite membership get all 50 states be able to scout from a desktop and your phone everything syncs you can go to 3d mode onyx hunt is the cornerstone to all of my public land hunting success check it out at onxmaps.com buck knives out of post falls idaho Buck Knives has a wide variety of blade sharpness, lengths, finish, materials, whether they're serrated, carry systems, handle material, engravable, so many different accessories. Buck Knives has been in the game since 1902. They have a forever warranty, and they proudly support elk shape. We ask that you check out BuckKnives.com and proudly support American-made knives that help you break down your animal in the backcountry. Numa Outdoors use the discount code ElkShape20 to save 20 percent off your clothing. Numa has base layers, headwear, jackets, mid layers, outer pants, shirts, and vests. Check out the Pursuit Pant, the Renegade Quarter Zip Pullover, the Palisade Puffy, the Alpha Vertex Jacket, and the sleek lineup of base layers, Base Haven Quarter Zip Pullover, as well as Base Haven Pants. Yeah, I like those Colorados for early season archery. They are breathable. I do have sweaty feet as well. And I've I've just noticed that those have helped me kind of mitigate that. But I for the you know colder type weather, yeah I pretty much don't use Colorados past September at all. Um, I've kind of moved over to the guides this time of year, and they're not insulated. I I don't like insulated boots too much, Um, but they you know with a good sock they stay pretty warm. Uh, I was going to ask you about your. Oh, back to your uh, bow situation, you're going between Matthews and Hoyt. I've shot both. Obviously I've shot for both companies. Obviously I like both companies, but I'm work with Matthews and I'm proud to do that. Um, and I have only shot the V three X 29. I haven't even shot the 33 yet. I have one ordered. Um, what was your thoughts on them specifically?
0: And then did you get a chance to shoot the new Hoyt as well? I haven't had a chance to shoot the new Hoyt yet um, because I was focused on uh, going back. And I love that you talk about balancing the scales or not balancing, but tipping the scales because it's never really going to be balanced. There's times of the year where one thing is more of a priority than the other. And um, I agree with that hundred percent. So I had to, I had to not go to the bow shop so that I could pull from my time bucket with, with my family to go hunting. Right. So um, I uh, I've shot both the 33 the the v3 x 33 and the 29 and i really liked both um my biggest thing is the 33 and probably because right now my axle to axle and my hoit is a 29 and a half um the 33 felt huge uh and that was my biggest thing is i i like the mobility of the 29 um my draw length is 27 and a half so i got t-rex arms and um and i like the string angle on both of them but it felt more natural on the 29 to be honest with you uh just because of that shorter draw length also a couple other factors in there i like to stay between 280 295 on my arrows especially running a fixed broadhead so i like the speed that i get out of the 29 a little bit better um and then I'm going to have to compare that one with probably the 30 inch Hoyt. I think it's the Ventum Pro. Um, I'm not into the carbon. I, I don't see the the benefit of spending that much more money. I just look at that and I'm just like, I could have spent that on another backpack or uh, something else. I wanted more better arrows, something I don't know. But um, those are the two that I'll be looking at this year. Is the probably the the Ventum Pro 30 and the uh, the Matthews V3X. That's interesting.
2: I haven't shot the 33 yet, but I'm <clears throat> I'm going to tell you. I have a 27-inch draw length and I've never had a bow fit me more perfectly than the 29 this year. Like, you know, like we all compromise a little, but like if if you had somebody make you a specific bow that when you pulled it back with your eyes closed and you open and that string is perfectly just barely touching your nose and that peep sight's just perfect and everything just feels like nothing, like everything's stacked bone on bone. And that's, to me, that's the 29 this year. We'll see how that 33 goes. Cause you know, last year I, I, I went with the 31 over the 27. The 27 was just a little too small, which is crazy to say, but the 31 always did feel a little bit big. I really shot the VXR 28, probably the best. And then now I would say even better than that is the 29. So it'll be interesting to see what you think. And and I'm with you, man. Like a carbon bow sounds great. But when you look at that versus, you know, aluminum, you're talking a really nice backpack from Kufaru, which by the way, which
0: one were you looking at? So uh, between the hoodlum and the 22 mag, which I mean, I know those are the ones that you run, but probably the hoodlum just because you can, I like that you can pack it down. Um, the current one that I use right now is the Kuyu 3600. And that seems to work really well for anything, two days and less for me. Um, I have a problem where I overpack and, uh, and so that's something that I've been working on. We are laughing about, um, about that with my friends. Cause, uh, both of my really close friends, they're brothers and they're both CPAs. And so they're like, we need to have an audit for you. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I always overpack. Now don't get me wrong. They enjoy the extra snacks and food and everything I bring, but, um, it, it's not, it's not fun after you've been packing extra weight for a couple of days. So, yeah,
2: man, I overpacked this year too. I'm guilty too, bro. Uh, I think you'll like the hoodlum because it's really nice for packing meat out quite honestly, versus the 22 mag. It's just a little more room. Like you said, it can expand and can contract. And, uh, for example, like I use the hoodlum quite a bit this year, but I used it, um, on a backpack, backpack hunt. It wasn't supposed to be a backpack hunt, but it was in Washington state. I didn't, I didn't actually film this hunt on purpose. I wanted a hunt just me. And, uh, my dad bailed on me at the trailhead. He was like, Hey, I'm having problems with my horse. I'm going to be a day behind you. And I, and I only had three days scheduled to hunt this hunt. And so I was like, you know, I love my dad to death, but I was like, dude, dad, you are literally screwing me over because I had 90 pounds in my pack. 50 of that was supposed to go on the horse. So when I had no horse, I was like, well, it's going to rain. I'm in Western Washington. It's going to rain. So I packed, I overpacked and I hauled that 90 pounds in eight miles. And then I even moved camps, which was another five miles and then the hunting sucked, and I had to pack it all out i mean that 's probably the the most exhausted i 've been in five days or in three days of hunting was that just getting back to my truck. I remember what a mental grind to carry that on my back and get off the mountain um, so don 't overpack where I overpacked was clothing because I was considering like the rain and I just wanted dry socks and underwear and I packed rain gear and I packed an extra, I mean, I packed so much extra stuff, but also I thought my dad was hauling my stuff in on his horse and it just didn't happen. Um, My buddy Jake joined me on that hunt. His pack was pretty heavy too. So, um, I think people listening should give us some examples of things that you, that you tend to pack and then
0: when you're up there, you're like, "Okay, that was a want, not a need." I'd say I have a problem with overpacking clothing too. Um, I usually get back, and uh, when I dump my pack at the end, I'm like, "Wow, like three quarters of my pack is still folded. Yes yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. um, so that that's me. Uh, I'd say that's probably the biggest thing is clothing. like i I like to plan for contingency plans and and you know plan A through F when it comes to clothing and what weather could happen. And, um, I I'd say that would be the biggest one. And then on top of that, uh, I could be better at managing my food. Cause again, I go back to like, I don't want to be hungry. Um, and so I, I overpack on food in my mind. I'm like, well, it's going to get lighter as we go. Right. Cause I'm eating it, but, um, it's still that I could definitely work on those two things. Um, I think that's about it. Cause I've tried, I've narrowed down pretty much. Like my cooking system. Um, I used to carry, I don't even know how many knives, dude. Even on backpacking trips, I'm like, well, this one's a good saw in case we need to cut off tree. Like I would just go through all again, all the scenarios. And now I'm like, I don't need all that. So yeah. Um I, I just need to work on the clothing thing, getting it through my mind that like I'll be okay if I get a little wet or I'll be okay, you know, depending on the scenario. But um, yeah, that that's pretty much it. Yeah, I uh
2: I feel that extra knife thing. I, I usually pack way too many knives and should I throw a saw in. Now a saw is really handy when you're like me and you're killable and you're like sweet, I don't have to pack the head out. I'm going to cut the skull cap off. Uh plus I'm going to be crossing state lines and they don't want brain matter. You know, it's just nice to cut it's just nice to cut the skull plate off. Um so sometimes I still pack a saw and it's just kind of a my cross to bear type of thing but all in all, I gotta continue like my pack dump on YouTube has the funniest comments because people are like, dude, seriously, you packed all that stuff. But they didn't know I didn't explain the backstory of like fifty pounds of this should be on my dad's horse right now. But um looking back, I'm glad I did it. I know I can do it. It's just it was uh I need to pack lighter. I need to pack lighter. And you know, we're talking about this right now, Jonathan, but like September's nine months away. It's like you're going to forget that we had this conversation and you might overpack. So I like that idea of an audit. I think that's a great idea. Like you and your partner should sit down, get your packs together and then dump them and do an audit on each other because
0: man, ounces turn to pounds and pounds turn to slowing you down. Yeah, I definitely agree with that 100%. It's uh it's good to know that you can do it, but it's not always fun, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh and that, you know, I had someone ask me this morning cause I told him where I was hunting. Uh, and he was like, and there was how much snow. And I was like, Oh, it was up to my knees and sometimes up to my thigh, depending on the area. He was like, how are you planning on getting an elk out of there? I was like, honestly, I don't think about it until I've shot the animal. And cause that's, that's more important than me then. <laughs> yeah. That, that, cause there's some people that will say that, you know, they're like, I don't want to pack something out of here. I'm like, well, great. I'll go in and get them then. Um, and I, I just thought it was funny. Like, I know I can do it, but but again, going back to packing for, for, uh, any kind of backpacking trip or hunting in general, just go with the, go with the basics and the needs, not necessarily the wants.
2: You know, that used to be my mantra as well. was like, I'll worry about it when I have to until this year we went into this one Canyon in Arizona where like, man, there was so many bulls in the bottom of this Canyon. And, uh, we put one to bed. He was a nice bull, like a three forty class bull with just palmation. And he was still broke off quite a bit, just a. Freaking fighter, a gangster bull. And my, my buddy, Josh Crawford and was filming and, and I'm like, all right, man, we're just going to work our way down there slowly. By the time we get about halfway down, the thermals will be bankable. It's going to be awesome. And this video will be on, um, YouTube. And, uh, the, by the time we like got to the very first finger to go down, we got cliffed out bad and we ended up kind of like negotiating, shale rock and slides and cliffs and we we made it down and when we got down there the bull ended up rebetting and he was in a spot where I couldn't stock he had rock slides on each side of him the cliff above him was like cool but he was buried into where you couldn't get a shot if uh, I waited for evening for the thermals to switch I could get underneath them but I looked at my cameraman I was like if I kill this bull, how hungry are you? Because we're going to have to eat half of them to get them out. And so we ended up actually not pursuing this bull. And we spent the good part of the day rock climbing our way out of this canyon. And I just remember thinking, man, if it had been dark and have meat on your back, I don't think I like, I don't, I should probably get life insurance at that point. Cause it, it was like super sketch. Um, we made it out, but we literally did rock climb majority of the way out and i just think man i'm getting smarter at least a little bit like i've never backed off on a on an opportunity like that but looking back i'm glad i did but other than that like you're talking extended archery season utah you're talking arguably one of the hardest hunts tell us about that because it's like these elk are coming there are these bulls like they don't live on the wasatch front like they're 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 migrating from wherever else and and they're showing up at random spots and you have an archery, you got to get close in snow and it's steep and tons of elevation. How hard is that hunt, man? So,
0: yeah, I did a couple, I see, I went out twice in November um, and that wasn't bad. We hadn't gotten any snow yet, but also I didn't really see any elk because it's, it's kind of well known around here that they don't really come down to the extended area until it snows. Um, it's very rare for them to come down before that. And so, uh, I saw some cows uh, and didn't quite get up to them in time. And at this point, this is a, any bull or cow tag. Um, and I just wanted to get something down. I just want to add this point in September. I said, bull only spike is okay. Um, but no cows. And then I said, you know, extended archery is cow bull, whatever comes out first. Um, and so last Let's see. So in November, I went up and then last weekend I went up um, and I saw a, a group of eight cows and uh, I got after them. But they went down to some super thick, nasty stuff, which I could have gotten to them. But I would have been like a freight train, whereas somehow they glide through this stuff. I don't get it um, and they don't make a sound, but uh, I would have sounded like a freight train going through this to get through them. So so I left them. Um, didn't come out successful last weekend. This weekend was really where all the action happened because it snowed a good amount, uh, mm-hmm. through the week. And I was getting so excited. Cause this was my week of finals as well. Um, and, and so I was like telling all my teammates, I'm like, whatever you need me to do for the team project, I need to have it done by Friday. I'm out of commission Saturday and Sunday. I was like, I know stuff is due Sunday, but tell me what, whatever you want me to do. I'll even take extra work. I need to be done by Friday. Nice. And so, um, made that happen. And then Saturday I went up and we found this herd, uh it was 20 something cows and they've all split up at this point and so i was like well that's a great they're in a good spot it's gonna suck to get to but i've got a very stalkable um uh, idea in my head of how i can get up to them and there was one other person at the one other truck at this trailhead and and so i was like great you know maybe i'll beat him up there i, I don't know he got a head start on me but we'll see what happens and so I work my way up, um, tons of deer everywhere. Um, and, and then I I get up to this spot and I was kind of, I had taken a picture, which by the way, and I don't know if you've mentioned this before, Dan, but for any of you guys out there, if you're going after an animal and you see them from the bottom of the Hill or from another Hill, take a picture because when you get close to it, it's not going to look the same. Um, and so I, had done that. And I, I took the picture and anyway, so I get up there and I'm like, okay, so here's that tree line. And I was able to figure out before I bumped them um, where they would be. And so I was able to sneak up. I got to within a hundred yards of these, those 24 cows. And I was like, my heart was going, I was super excited. I was like, okay, today's the day. Like I was walking it through my head the entire time up that Hill. I was like, okay, I'm gonna pull back, you know, the whole self-talk thing. I want to anchor. I'm going to settle the pin. I'm going to pull through. And I was just going through that the entire way up. So I had myself set, ready to go. And, um, and so I'm at a hundred yards and I'm sitting there saying, okay, well, I can, I've got all day so I can wait for them to get up. Um, I can, I can sneak in on them. They're sleeping. The wind's in my face, like perfect conditions, but there's not a lot of cover. Uh, the snow was soft enough. It sounded like pillows when you're walking on it. So it was perfect. Um, and I'm, as I'm kneeling there and I'm getting the range, and making this plan, one of the cows perks up. And I was like, there's no freaking way. Like, she didn't see me. She didn't smell me. She didn't hear me. So I'm like, what is going on? And so then she, she kind of slowly stands up. And I was like, great. Okay. Um, well, what's going on? Like, and she's, she looks like she's looking right at me. And I was like, how in the world? Like, I'm behind a tree. Like, I have everything in my favor. What is going on? And so then she barks. And oh, if you've ever heard that sound, it's such a heart wrenching sound. And I just sat like I wasn't breathing. And I was like, maybe she'll calm down. Maybe they'll go a couple of yards and then they'll stop, whatever. And then I hear an arrow go off. No way. And I like I almost threw my bow off the mountain. I was like, what the and and he missed <laughs> and, and he stands up and he was 50 yards in front of me. Oh my gosh. That could have been bad for both of you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, and of course he's the only other guy anyway. So I, I'm sitting there like trying to tell him cause one is an arrow, yeah, they've seen him, but they look like they could have calmed down a little bit and he goes like trudging after him. I'm like, I'm like trying to get his attention. Like, dude, like chill out. We They'll just go over the Ridge. We'll catch him on the other side of the Ridge. They'll bed down. Anyway, long story short, he didn't. And then on top of that, he's like maybe 200 yards from him and they can't see him at this point, but they could definitely still hear him. He makes a phone call. <laughs> and I was just like laughing at how hilarious this scenario was. I was like, I, this is unbelievable. And so anyway, he comes down, they, they end up going over this Ridge and um, I got some good video of it. It was a beautiful scenario and everything. And I, I told myself, I'm going to make this a positive experience. I'm not going to be mad. Like it's public land. He had every right to be here. Just like me. Let's, figure out who this guy is. And so I walk up and I start talking to him I'm like, Hey dude, let's go after him. They're like right there. I guarantee you they bet it down right on the other side of that Ridge. He's like, man, I'm gassed. I was like, no, come on, let's go. And so I bring him. you know, we get up to the Ridge and we're kind of talking along the way. Uh, this was his first time ever seeing elk ever. Wow. And I was like, you know, you need to take this as a success. You got to within 50 yards of an elk your first time seeing elk so you know again turning it positive um he came from minnesota and uh so anyway we're just talking about who he was getting to know each other and we did find them i don't know how these elk got to the spot it was kind of like what you were saying with the rock climbing they had to have ice picks in their hooves or something yeah like yeah and anyway the wind picked up and they ended up moving more into the trees and nothing happened that day (coughs) excuse me um but it was cool to meet him and to have that experience. He actually told me he wasn't even looking at the elk that I was looking at. There was like the most of the herd was on that um, bench just below the ridge. And he was looking at them. He had actually drawn back and his arrow was covered in snow. (laughs) Yeah. So he let down, wiped it off. And that's when that cow perked up and realized that he was there. So anyway, that happened on Saturday. Um, didn't end up getting back to them. And then uh, Sunday came around and I saw, we were able to spot three different bulls and two different herds of cows. So, anyway, we, uh, I, I, I texted a buddy of mine. I was like, man, I, you know, I really want to go for the bulls, but it's definitely a lesser chance, lesser probability of getting to them. I want to fill this tag. So, anyway, I end up going back up after the, the cows and um, they had disappeared over a ridge super hard. Um, going back to the difficulty of it, it is not easy. Um, but it it definitely is doable if you're willing to put in the work. Hmm. Um, you know, I came out empty handed this year, a lot of learning experiences for sure. And, um, who knows if that guy hadn't been up there, I, I would like to say that I would have had an elk that day. Um, but also that's public land. You can't really plan on those things. So, Yeah. And that would have sucked if you had screwed his hunt up,
2: you know, if he had beat you to the trailhead and somehow like, obviously not on purpose, but you screw his stock up. So excuse me, there's, you know, it's, there's some etiquette out there and I've had my arguments with people on public land and times I'm in the right and times I'm in the wrong. And I'm just a passionate elk hunter. It can get the best of us. But if we can all take a step back and appreciate what we're all there for, what we're trying to do, and that we're probably all on the same team, if, you know, we're doing it the right way and ethically, it's all good. But like, who do you think got you into hunting? Like you and this guy from Minnesota are both probably just new, new to elk hunting. I've heard people talking lately that, you know, a-holes like me who have social media, are getting all you guys into hunting and that um blah 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 blah. So what what's your thoughts on all that? Like sounds like your neighbor got you into like you you had a hunting background but your neighbor got you into hunting. Who got this guy from Minnesota into hunting? Did you talk about that and and what's your thoughts about the social media and hunting?
0: Yeah, so I think it's a good um I think right now we're seeing an influx of people uh, due to especially like COVID. People are getting anxious and wanting to get outside. Seems cool. Um, I look at it more in depth than that. So uh, social media is kind of maybe a front for some people. Again, that's what drew me to you and your channel and the group of guys that you hang out with is I like that uh, blue collar mentality and just grinding it out not trying to sell you anything. You let people know that it's hard work. Uh, You don't, you don't do the thing where it's like, Oh, here's the kill shot. And it only took two hours. And um, (laughs) you know, like you don't do that. It's, and it's definitely not that I can't remember. I need to tally up how many days, but I want to say it was close to 20 days I've spent this year Mm -hmm. and I ended up empty handed. Now I filled four of my other tags, but it wasn't the one that I really wanted. Right. Right. And, um, and so for me, I would say social media plays a role but if people look more in depth um and are able to it's hard to put a an exact strategy that I've used but just you can recognize the real from the fake it's it's pretty easy once you start listening to people are they more salesmen or are they more you know they actually live that life and um for me it's not going to it's definitely not going to be a phase I'm I'm all in I'm hooked and uh and and so I love that it incorporates keeping you healthy year round. Um, also I've, been, I've taken my kids out Turkey hunting. Um, so they, you know, they're getting into it and they every time I come back, they ask about it. They, and I found out recently that every time I go out hunting, um, they say a prayer as a family for me. I had no idea. And that mm. plays into some other, uh, some other things, some other stories that I have from this hunting season that were pretty incredible, but, um, Yeah. I I would say for me, my neighbor got me into it. And then he's, he's kind of helped. He, he did the same thing that you do where he was like, here, you can come with me. I'll give you some kind of baseline knowledge. Um, you do the work. And he said, he's done that with so many people and everyone's like, but I want you to find the animal for me. And he's like, with you, you're out there spotting with me. And sometimes you i've found him animals you know he's like things like that like it just uh again going back to contributing being a contributing member of that group rather than just take 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 and uh and so this guy from minnesota he's been hunting white tails his whole life um up there in minnesota and so he was like i just really wanted to hunt elk and uh, he got a job out here in utah moved out here in may and uh I think there's a certain amount of time before you can get your residency. I think right at that moment, he went and was able to buy that tag. And that's why he was doing the late season and not September um, hunting. So, but he's been hunting for a while, just whitetails, not elk. Good for him. Good for
2: anyone getting out there. Like I love hearing people that are out there. Yeah. It's getting crowded in certain places, in certain instances, you have to just what I do to uh, I don't know if you knew this, Jonathan and listeners, but I don't know if you guys knew this about me, but like, I believe that separations and the preparation. And when I say separation, I'm separating myself from the average hunter. Even if a lot of the average hunters now, there's more of them and they're in the woods and maybe some are going eight miles. I have more time e-scouting than them. I consistently over the year, I have put more arrows down range. I have studied maps. I have years of experience and it's all adding up to where I'm not going to be salty that there's new hunters. I think it's a good thing. I'm going to celebrate it because it means that potentially if it goes to ballot box wildlife management, which it seems like they're trying to, we can hopefully continue to grow our numbers so we have a chance because man, I'd rather have crowded woods and be able to hunt then have it voted to where we can't hunt and then the woods aren't crowded at all. And I'm left to, you know, not pursue my passion where I feel alive, where I get the most, you know, spiritual bang for my buck, the most physical and mental challenge of the year, testing my wits with elk in the mountains. Do you feel what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, I definitely do. I understand hundred percent that because, um, and I had some pretty crappy experiences too. This year it was pretty surprising to me. Um, people getting upset that you pull up to the trailhead, uh and, and you know, cursing me out for that. And I was like, promise you won't see me.
1: <laughs> like, yeah,
0: like I, I'm not gonna be where you're at, dude. Sorry. And you know, just things like that, and and just having a positive mindset again, going back to that that idea of having that positive mindset of um there's bad apples everywhere. And uh again, I could have that's that scenario. Uh, even just yesterday or I guess Saturday could have gone completely different for me. It could have been, I could have been upset with him and, you know, it it could have been a whole, whole different thing, but instead, you know, we had a great conversation. I made a new friend and uh, potentially a a future hunting buddy. So um, yeah, it's just that. And then on top of that, you know, getting the kids involved um, so that they have that and they actually have, you know, I'm I'm never going to make my kids do the same hobbies that I do, but I will encourage it. And I will, um, have them in that lifestyle. So when they get old enough to make that decision, uh, they can choose whether or not they want to. And I think that adds to our numbers as well.
2: Yeah. That etiquette of trailhead stuff, it's very nuanced or whatever you want to call it, but it's not really black and white. I'll give you an example this year, Jake and I, he's uh, my buddy, we were camped at like the, I wouldn't call it a trailhead. I would just call it like the only way to access a very small box Canyon. So if it's a box Canyon, kind of one way in, one way out. And we knew that these elk crossed through here in the mornings and the evenings. And we knew to go set pinch points and we had done the morning hunt and my trucks parked pretty much like you have to, if you want to park past my truck, you just have to go past it, but then you're going to have to park. So we're, we're there and we're eating lunch and these two guys roll up, they drive right by us the way I was parked, you had to come within inches of my truck. And I figured they'd like roll down their window or say what's up or something. And uh, they didn't. They just went right past us parked, got their stuff together. What are Jake and I going to, like, what are we supposed to do? Like, are we going to throw our gear on and beat them up the mountain, which probably could? No, man, we're going to pivot. We're going to pivot. We're going to flex. We're going to change directions. We're not going to let something that we can't control, which I'm not going to sit there and have a talk with these guys and try to talk them out or manipulate them into not going after the same elk. It's not my elk. It's not their elk. We just had to pivot. So we literally got in my truck and drove out of the box Canyon that we were basically had planned on hunting. And we hunted a completely different spot, which actually ended up pretty good. So my question is, is what's the etiquette? Like how big is the trailhead supposed to be? And and how do you know how many trucks should be there? Case in point, that guy was parked at the trailhead before you and he was in front of you for those elk. Well, should you have not gone after him? I mean, like these are tough questions I'm asking you, but like from a noob standpoint, like what's your thoughts on all this? Because this is going to continue to happen. Like you're gonna run into other hunters and you gotta be able to play well in the sandbox,
0: or it's just gonna get ugly. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's just having a, a conversation like so in this specific scenario, like we had scouted this area and, um, we were going to go into this area and, and uh, we were pretty set on it for the day. Um, and we pull up and I mean, this truck was completely dark. I'm not going to go looking in his windows, but I'm like, okay, <laughs> I actually thought I was like, Hey, it's pretty cool. There's only one other person, right? right? Cause it was crowded at this point. I was like, Oh, this is awesome. So we get out, we throw our stuff on we start walking down the trail. He flashes his lights on and jumps out. What the F? And I was like, uh, What? I was like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of pissed, too, that they closed up because they had shut down this portion that you could have driven on um, and they had shut it down. I was like, I thought he was talking about that. Yep. I was like, yeah, it sucks. Right. that They closed the gate. And he was like, no, you guys saw me sitting here, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, well, and I kind of looked around and and I'm kind of sarcastic. So um, I kind of played into this. But I was like, I was like, well, it's kind of a big mountain, dude. Did you want the whole thing to yourself? I promise you won't see us. (laughs) And he, and he just like started grumbling and we just turned around and walked back. Like it, that's just kind of how I handled it. I wouldn't recommend everyone handling it that way, but like, I wasn't being rude. It's not like I saw him sitting there going into the trail. Like this was an entire, it was a huge area. And, uh, and so I, I think just having those conversations with, with, um, people like if they, I don't know. I think it's just a conversation basically, or like in your situation, like if you don't want to hunt with someone else there, um, you were fine with moving. And I'm the same way. Like if I, if I'm not a hundred percent confident that there's something here, but I have a plan B, C or D, then I'll go elsewhere. But like in this scenario, um, I mean, these mountains were crowded with people. And so, like I said, we were just excited to find a trailhead that only had one truck instead of 15. So, um, Yeah. I would just go back to having a conversation with the people if, if they bring it up to you or even walking in with them and be like, Hey, you know, where are you headed? I'm going to go this way. Um, some people, most people probably won't be confident in telling you where they're going because they think that you're going to go there too. Um, whereas for me, I'm like, I'm going to try and avoid you as much as possible. So if you don't want to tell me, that's cool. But, um, yeah, that, that's just kind of how I handle it. I'm, I'm, yeah, I just like talking to people and figuring that out or in this case being sarcastic because he was kind of being a, he was kind of being a jerk. So
2: <laughs> yeah, man, I know I, I should probably almost do a podcast with somebody who knows more about etiquette than me. Like someone who can like go through a bunch of scenarios and like try to help everybody like get along better in the mountains. Um, I think we are pretty divisive as hunters, uh, naturally cause there's a little bit of ego involved in hunting, but ultimately it's good for us. Like, that's why I want to talk about it. Like I want to bring it up. It's like, we got to talk it, talk us through it. And I may not always do the right thing either, but it's like, ultimately I want your success. I want my success. And the thing that I always keep telling myself is your red beard outdoors. Success is not going to get in the way of my success. Like I've worked too hard for this. I'm too prepared. I, I should be able, if I really truly prepared for this exam properly, I should have other plans or I should be able to pivot, even if it means going to a different finger or set up on a different pinch point or driving completely to a new area. I think the only plan is to be flexible when you're hunting on public land.
0: I think the biggest thing is intention behind it. Like, and I think that's why I'm so comfortable with the way I reacted to that guy. Cause like my intention wasn't to take a spot. Like I genuinely, my intention was uh, cool. There's only one other person here. Um, I think there are, you know, there's again, bad apples in every group. And if their intention is to whip ahead of you and, and steal your spot, then that's, you know, uh, that's not cool. And that's definitely, I would say that that plays into the etiquette, but, um, it's, I mean, the ethics behind hunting, it can be a a gray area the etiquette can be a gray area because you don't always know the other person's intention. Um, I like to believe that they have good intentions unless they're, like flying into the trailhead and hopping out and throwing their stuff on and running up the trail ahead of me. then I'll be like, okay, well, I know what they're thinking. But, um, like in our scenario, I mean, we had sat there for a minute and didn't see any movement. So I was like, cool. Like, uh, again, not trying to steal a spot from anyone. And if he had said like, Hey, this is my spot and be like, okay, well let's talk about where you're going. And I won't go there. I promise. Like, but again, just, that's just kind of how I deal with it. Just, uh, my intentions are pure. I know not everyone else's are, but, um, just got to treat it that way.
2: Yeah, man. Well, I appreciate talking to you. It's been fun. What do you think your 2022 season is going to look like from a standpoint of elk tag or elk tags and, and like, obviously you're resident of Utah. That's a pretty cool thing. Are you going back to over the counter Utah? Do you have any other out of state plans? What are you thinking? Baku e-bikes these guys provide awesome e-bikes for the mountains I use them out west specifically logging roads they have more torque than any other e-bike competitor they're built for hunters by hunters they're an awesome brand to work with out of Salt Lake City check them out at baku.com Blackovis.com is where I buy all my hunting gear I have a discount code that I use myself. It is Elkshape. It takes 10% off. Their shipping is fast and free. Their selection is vast and deep. Go to blackovas.com. Check out their full lineup of clothing, footwear, optics, archery, arrows, camping, and all the brands. SpyPoint Trail Cameras, the world's number one cellular trail camera brand. Extremely affordable. My favorite is the Link Micro LTE, the smallest, smallest, Best value camera, dependable, reliable. Go to spypoint.com and check out all their options when it comes to trail cameras and accessories. Kafaru International, my good homeboy, Aaron Snyder and Frank the Tank. These guys are American made, 100%. I typically use the hoodlum, the 22 mag or the striker XL in the backcountry. The frame is second to none. Head over to Kufaro International. Be sure to check out their packs, their frames, tents, shelters, sleeping systems, stoves, lots of accessories, as well as closeouts. You won't be disappointed. Matthews Archery. Introducing the all new V3X. You have a 29 and 33 option. These guys are out of Sparta, Wisconsin. Head over to MatthewsInc.com. Click the bow builder and start customizing your next awesome bow hunting rig. Crispy USA. Head over to CrispyUS.com, peruse the vast selection of awesome boots for mountaineering, backpacking, and of course, my favorite, the Colorado GTX for elk hunting. There are also some good options for everyday wear, like my daily driver, the Ativa Mid GTX. And then if you're into stocking like I am, look no further than the Laponia GTX. Check out the core boot lineup. Everything starts from the ground up on your next adventure. Choose wisely. Be sure to check out CrispyUS.com.
0: So um, I was planning on applying for Wyoming. I know that's a, that's a rough one. I, I did get the bonus point and I was reminding my friends to go in and and do their annual donation. Uh, but I, um, I don't really have a lot of plans for out of state. I didn't do the Idaho thing this year. I talked to my buddy about it again, just working on that budget thing right now, finishing up school um, and starting a new job is going to be uh, intense as it is. So uh, I, I I don't have a lot of plans for out of state. I'm going to do over the counter and then hopefully draw a limited entry here in Utah, um, but definitely at least over the counter. And uh, we got into some good, good situations. So I'm pretty confident. Again, I cut down that, that learning curve. Uh, thanks to, to you guys uh, at the camp and, and continuing that education uh, going forward. So. I'm pretty confident for 2020, you know, I'm, I'm just going to say it. I'm going to punch my tag in 2022. Um, this year, I said the same thing. It didn't happen, but, uh, you know, I, again, I, I walked away with a lot of learning experiences and a lot of knowledge that I didn't have before. Um, so I'd say that's what my 2022 season looks like. At least, at least one bull down in Utah.
2: I love it. I think that's great. Uh, you got some great over the counter options. You're going to have to keep an eye on your guys's division of wildlife, because they are proposing some changes and not having unlimited over-the-counter opportunities. So you'll have to keep an eye on that. Just keep it guys listening, keep an eye on Montana. They're proposing some changes. You know, there's always two sides to every story. I did that elk privatization series. I had literally like one sided for three episodes and then I was able to get the other side on episode four and I was able to like, go, man, everyone's got good points. This is hard. Oh yeah. I don't live in New Mexico. I don't have a say really at the end of the day. That's kind of my conclusion, but you know, same with Montana. I don't live in Montana, but man, I would love to see DIY opportunity, not go down. I would love to see your individual wealth, not dictate how many awesome opportunities you get. But I also understand it's a limited resource and this is America. We're not communist (laughs) capitalism. And so when I say blue collar elk hunter, I don't say that I'm actually, and I want to clear the air on this because I, I call it blue collar elk hunting because it's very much average hunts, very average, you know, hard hunts. I'm not saying I'm blue collar. I had somebody call me out on that recently and I'm, I understand I'm not an electrician, a carpenter, a lineman. I understand I was a firefighter for a little while. But at the end of the day, I'm just a little guy who runs around in sweats and coaches people on fitness. That is not a blue collar job. What I mean by blue collar is just like, you know, you're scrapping together what you can for a budget like you are. You got a limited amount of time off and you're making the best out of an over over the counter or an average elk. Tag. That's to me, a blue collar elk hunt. It's the most challenging, Jonathan. It's also the most rewarding. Even You this year, 20 days in the field, you didn't punch a tag. Can you look back and honestly have any regret there? I mean, you learned so much about yourself and you now have a recipe of
0: everything you need to work on going forward. That's blue collar elk hunting. Yeah. I appreciate you saying that too. Cause I, I, I told a couple people that I said, you know, I walked away without my tag being punched, but I can say I put every single moment that I had available into it and all of my resources and I don't have any regrets. Um, I don't have any regrets at all. I I had a a buddy of mine that lives in Montana send me, of course, a video from out his front porch this morning. And it involved like, I want to say seven or eight bulls. And I was like, Oh yeah, thanks. Thank you for uh, rubbing the salt in the wound. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) And, uh, that was hilarious. And I was like, Oh, maybe I might be having a sleepover up there next, (laughs) next year. (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, it it was great. I, I learned a lot. Um, it's changed me and uh i w- i want to say that yeah i was listening to i'm almost done with that episode 4 and i love that again just going back to things that attracted me to generally the people that I have my tight knit circle as well. Um, They're no BS kind of people and yet they're strong. They have those strong opinions. You're one of those people that has that strong opinion, but you're also open to hearing other people's. You're not saying that you're going to change your mindset, but you are open to listening to their opinions. It's funny. I could kind of hear you shift. Um, when the lady was talking in in the podcast about certain things and you were like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And I was like, uh, again, that's one thing that I really like about you as a person and the brand Elk shape in general. Um, and for all you guys that are still listening, um, you know, it's, this is an awesome group to be a part of, uh, you know, here at, at elk shape, because, um, it is again, not trying to sell you anything other than hard work and, uh, Again, separation is in the preparation, 100% agree with you on that, but being able to constantly learn and grow, um, that's something that's, that's also a big theme that I've noticed. Uh, and, and I love that. I I really do. Um, and I, I try and apply that to my life. That always be tinkering mindset. I never had a phrase for it until, uh, I heard you say it and I try and apply that every day. There's always something you can mess around with, um, in your life to get better. So, Mm. so Yeah appreciate that. What's the name of your podcast? Red, Redbeard Space Outdoors. So just mm-hmm. Redbeard Outdoors. And where do we find that? All the places? All the places, uh, mainly Spotify and Apple. I'd uh, mm-hmm. appreciate reviews. If you got a bad review, just uh, send me a message. <laughs> 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 um, but no, yeah, that's where you can find me. Same thing on, on uh, Instagram. It's red.beard.outdoors. Um, I try and post there daily and uh, yeah, keep things going. I got me a Red Beard Outdoors sticker on my Nalgene, man.
2: I rock it everywhere. So that, yeah, Jake, Jake
0: told me about that too. I was like, oh, that's awesome.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, dude. It's a cool sticker. You better be selling those or giving those away. Those are awesome. People check them out. I'll leave a link in the show notes to his podcast, to his Instagram. And uh, just as another fellow elk hunting on average places, brother uh, from another mother. I'll see you in Utah 2022.
0: Awesome. Sounds good.
2: All right, guys, separation and the preparation catch on the next one. Okay, guys, I hope you dug that episode with Jonathan. Thanks for coming on, buddy. I really enjoyed our time. Remember, we have the Black Ovis discount. So, if you are looking at getting gear, and again, I think you should buy gear earlier in 2022 than any other year. So, not only that you have time to get reps with it, test it, but just so you don't run into any supply chain issues when, you know, early summer starts and people start really gearing up, get ahead of that. Use discount code Oakshape, it takes 10% off. They have a lot of SKUs at Black Ovis, and I think you'll be able to, you know, save a little money, which is Good. Vortex Optics, Vortex Wear. Discount code is ElkShape. Takes twenty percent off their wear. Get some of their clothing for scouting and training, like in the gym. Pretty cool. Onyx discount code ElkShape takes twenty percent off elite membership. You can do your e-scouting from a desktop and have all fifty states. And it's a game changer. Numa outdoors discount code ElkShape twenty. It's a one-time use, so make it a good one. Twenty percent off. Palisade Puffy, uh, Pursuit Pants, Renegade quarter zip uh alpha Vertex jacket or vest probably the jacket would be my vote if you had to choose black rifle coffee company coffee of the month discount code is Elkshape takes 15 percent off appreciate you guys you have a lot of options when it comes to podcast thanks for choosing us we're headed to elk shape camp wisconsin first one of 2022 it's completely sold out and i can't wait to go there and hopefully make a powerful impact on these people looking forward to that god bless you all separations and the preparation catch you on the next one